ダラッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタッタHello and welcome. I'm Caroline. And I'm Helen. And we love to sew. This is a podcast for makers where we talk about sewing a handmade wardrobe and bring you interviews with inspiring creatives and small business owners in our community. Today, we are talking about all of the wonderful ways you can hack your patterns. We have lots of beginner friendly tips and more advanced ideas too. Hacking is a great way to get extra mileage out of your pattern investment and let your personal style shine. You can hack it. Yes, you can. You can hack it. Yes, you can. You can hack it. Yes, you can. You can hack it. You can hack it. Helen, is that you? It's me. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I sound a little froggy today. I have a sore throat. You're forgiven.、Aww. I'll forgive you on behalf of all of our listeners. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to come across in like a sexy lounge singer kind of way. That's what we're going for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Well, <laughs> we have a lot to get through in this episode. I know. This is one that you guys have been asking for, and we're very excited to bring it to you. Yes. But first, do you want to catch up a little bit? Yeah, I do. Okay. Of course I do. Well, tell me what's going on with you. I launched a new pattern this week. Yay. I wish we had like a gong we could ring in these moments. I want, I, no, I want like the cheering crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, maybe Sam, Sam can cut do that. that. Then the crowd goes wild. Yes, I released the York Pinafore this past week, and I am so excited to finally have another pattern to share with you all. I am so excited for this pattern too. <laughs> Tell us about it. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know what a pinafore is, because every family member and friend that I've told about this pattern has been like, a what? <laughs> so a pinafore is kind of like a jumper or a tunic dress that you wear over other garments. So you typically layer it over like a t shirt or a long sleeve shirt or something like that. And it's kind of like, Overalls, but a dress version.、Um, and it looks super cute over lots of different things. So, my pinafore is a modern take on this design. It has very sleek, curved sides and two options for the necklines and the pockets. And it has a slight cocoon shaped skirt, which I think is really comfy and also super flattering. It is super flattering. And this pattern is such a quick and easy sew. I'm really feeling easy sews these days. So, it was fun to work on something that I knew would be. Delivering that to my customers. And it was designed sort of with beginner sewists in mind. So I know it can be a bit boring when you start sewing and you feel kind of limited, like you can only make napkins and pillow covers and maybe like a kind of woven t shirt or something like that. But this pattern has all of those elements that you would be doing in those other projects, but in a super fun and playful addition to your wardrobe kind of project. So I'm really excited that I have a pattern in my lineup that's great for beginners and also offers something for more advanced sewers because, yeah, quick and easy and fun. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. And you did a wonderful job with the instructions on this pattern. They are extremely beginner friendly. You went into so much detail with some of those steps. So I encourage any beginners out there to check this pattern out because it's a great one. Thank you. Yes. I have to say these were my most detailed instructions yet. I went into A lot of depth around the bias binding method and also just fitting the pattern. There's extra pages on how to fit it. That was the first time I had included stuff like that in the pattern. So there's alterations in there. There's how to fit it, how to look at it in the mirror and see what's going on. And yeah, I'm very proud of the instructions for this one. Great job. Thank you. So, what kinds of fabrics are you recommending for the York? So, the York works really well in like a medium to heavyweight fabric, but it can also be made in lightweight cottons or rayons if you want like a really summery look.、Um, I made my two samples that are up in the product page out of a sort of medium weight linen and、uh, one of your Cone Mills denims, and they both turned out. Beautifully. I really love how they hold the structure of the scoopy sides. And yeah, it's just a great look. And the benefit of those fabrics is also that they're beginner friendly to sew with. You know, like a more structured woven fabric is really easy for beginners to work with as well. So I kept that in mind. And this pattern only needs like one to two meters, depending on your size. So if you have things kicking around in your stash that are kind of awkward one to two meter length that you can't quite make a dress pattern out of, 
this pattern is perfect for that. That works really well because that sort of mid to heavyweight fabric that I would normally get for pants, I usually buy like a meter and a half, two meters for pants. So if you have that in your stash and you maybe had a pair of pants in mind, it could totally work for this pattern as well. Absolutely. I was so excited when I got to use my Cone Mills denim for that York sample. Oh my God. That's my favorite one. It's my favorite (laughs) one too. I love, love, love that sample. Yeah. It's fun to do the top stitching thread too. If it disappears... (laughs) Um, it wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) Carolyn's going to steal it out of my closet. (laughs) (laughs) So anything else you want to share about the York? Mm, Well, I think that the York is a great option for kind of an all season staple because you really can wear it through the summer, through the transitional seasons, like the spring and the fall. And then even in the wintertime, you can layer it over like your Avery leggings. I've even worn mine with a blackwood on top and it looks really cute with that. So you can layer it up. Um, I think the York and the True Bias Nico top are like perfection together. I agree. They really are. (laughs) I've been wearing that combo a lot and it's awesome. So yeah, I love that it's a super wearable piece that you can have in your closet all year round and it's never going to, you know, go out of fashion for each season. Awesome. So the York Pinafore is 20% off this week. And thank you to everyone who has purchased the pattern already. I cannot wait to see your York Pinafores, you guys. (laughs) Me too. I can't wait. All right. What else have we got on the docket? So we also wanted to plug our Montreal meetup again. We mentioned this in last week's episode and we already have some people that have RSVP'd. I'm so excited to meet all of you Montrealers. We'll put a link to that meetup in the show notes again. So if you guys didn't hear last week's episode, Helen and I are going to be in Montreal in June and on Saturday the 9th, we are going to do a meetup and we decided it's going to be in Parc La Fontaine. Hopefully we'll get a good spot by the water and have a picnic. Everyone can bring snacks, wear your handmaids if you want, and we'll just get to hang out and meet each other and have a grand old time. I cannot wait. I'm so excited for our first meetup. Hopefully first of many. Hopefully, if it goes well. (laughs) We'll see. I'm sure it's going to be really fun. It's going to be great. Yeah. So are the best people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Have you been feeling the pressure lately? Because we're going on this big trip to like... Oh boy, have I. (laughs) I was nose to the grindstone getting this pattern out so that it would be done before the trip. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad I made that deadline. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. I'm really proud of you. You've been working really hard. Thank you. And And you moved. I know. I moved. I moved into a new apartment and we just released some swimsuit fabrics a couple weeks ago in the shop. So those have been selling well. And I'm just trying to prepare all of the new fabric releases so that everything can go off without a hitch while we're away. It's been really uh, exciting and fun to prepare for our trip. Also a little bit stressful, but that's cool. Just a little bit. We're used to it. (laughs) I bought three of your swimsuit fabrics because I couldn't choose. (laughs) Yeah, I still haven't picked out which one I want. Oh, no. I know. But I get it, girl. I know. I I can't decide. Part of me just wants to do basic black. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. You can't go wrong. Did you see the new cashmere swimsuit? I did. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, it's so good. There are not that many swimsuit patterns out there for plus size ladies. It's true, and I love all of the nice detail that she put into the pattern. It's got this beautiful waistband piece and um, a few different view options and lots of ways to do different fabrics, which is really fun with swimwear. Yeah. And so much nice support for those ladies, you know, for the girls. (laughs) Jenny, we love your new Ipswich swimsuit pattern. We're going to link it in the show notes for all of you guys out there that want to check it out. Yeah, it would look so good with all your fabrics. Oh my gosh. All right. Do we want to play this voicemail? I so want to play this voicemail. Me too. Let's do it. Hey, Helen and Caroline. My name's Rosie and I'm from New Zealand. And I just really wanted to call and say thank you. I only found your podcast a few weeks ago. And I finally just finished binge listening to it all. Now I don't know what to do with myself. Now I've got to wait till next week for the next episode. To be honest, you've really motivated me to find new local sewers to sew more sustainably. And to push myself to try new projects. And I'm just so inspired. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Keep going, please. Oh, Rosie, we have no intention of stopping. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for leaving us that sweet, sweet voicemail. I love it when our international listeners call us. You guys got to call us. Please call us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We have a question that we want to answer from Robin. 
My question is regarding backstitching. I have a professional tailor in my family who does not backstitch when she makes garments. Instead, she leaves tails of thread at the end of a row of stitching and hand ties all the threads. I have done this, but it's time consuming and not my favorite. I would like to know what you two recommend. Are you backstitchers? And if so, how vigorously do you do this? So thank you so much for your question, Robin. I did answer it by email, but we thought it would be a fun one to answer on the show as well because we've never gotten this question before. It's true. It's a good question. I learned when I was learning to sew in home at class that you always go backwards and forwards three stitches, but it's kind of hard to nail that, you know, like get it right every time. And I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I think it's a personal preference thing. And we were chatting about this a little bit before we started recording. And we mentioned that there are some times that it might be a nice finish to not do the backstitching and tie off your threads instead. For example, a hem, you know, sometimes when you're hemming around, and then you get to the part where you began, you backstitch the beginning, you backstitch at the end, so then you end up getting like, you know, four or five overlaps, and it ends up looking kind of bulky. So that would be a case where it might be nice to begin and end without backstitching and then pull your loose threads to the backside and tie them off so that you have a really nice, clean finish on the right side of your garment. Yeah, I'm going to try this next time. I always try to put that little bulky hem part like on the inside of a pant leg or something or the back of a skirt, but it's still visible, right? Even if you aren't the one looking at it, somebody could see it. So I think that's a great tip. And I'm going to try that on my next hem. Totally. But I think for, you know, seams that are going to end up getting enclosed or the raw edge that isn't going to show, I think that backstitching is a personal preference. So you just do you. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But we're backstitchers and we... Do we do it vigorously? I don't know if I do it vigorously, per se. (laughs) I'm an aggressive backstitcher. Very, very vigorous. (laughs) How about you? Um, A gentle backstitcher? I think I'm a gentle backstitcher, yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. We're going to talk about pattern hacking. I know. I'm so excited. People kept suggesting this to us, and I think we took like a few months to wrap our heads around what this episode would sound like because it's hard to sometimes describe really visual things yes when there's no visual accompaniment to that so yeah i think we i think we struck a good balance i think we did too there's lots of good information in here and i think it's going to get our listeners inspired and excited about hacking their patterns i hope so all right so let's start off by talking about what pattern hacking is exactly yeah so pattern hacking is taking a pattern that you already have and modifying it to get a different look and it's a bit different from doing a fitting alteration because you're actually changing the design to get a new variation on the pattern or in some cases you know a totally different result. Yeah, the thing I love about pattern hacking is that you can make a garment a little bit more your style. So if you like certain elements of a pattern that you have in your stash, but you know that you would like a you know more flouncy sleeve or something longer or something with a side slit, there's so many different things that you can do to modify an existing pattern and make it more you. And you can get more mileage out of your pattern that way. Absolutely. And you can use patterns that come out that maybe you didn't necessarily think would suit you when you start thinking about ways that you can alter them. Yeah, it sort of forces you to look more analytically at a pattern and look at the style lines and the details and sort of figure out how you could change it. And it's a very interesting way to approach sewing. Yeah. And we had a couple of guests on the show recently who are big fans of taking patterns and making them their own. So we had Erica Bunker in episode 39. And it was so inspiring to hear all about her pattern alterations and her suggestion for checking out online shops and looking at ready-to-wear details. That was such a good suggestion. Yeah, I loved, love, love that idea. You can go to websites like Net-A-Porter, ShopStyle, or any other kind of online retailer that you admire and look for those trendy details that you can add to existing patterns in your collections. And I guess while you're at it, just try to avoid shopping. Yeah, that's the hard part, right? You start looking and you're like, ooh, I want to make that, but I could just click purchase. Don't click purchase. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it, you guys. <laughs> I really love looking at uh, J. Crew, Madewell. Madewell. Anthropology is a good one, too. They all have really interesting kind of trendy details that you can take cues from. Mm-hmm. I'm always creeping on all the photos to see like, oh, what kind of hem is on there? Like, is that a facing or a binding? And like, I love it when the models like, 
show the inside of the garment or something and you get those pictures that show flashes of the details and you can figure out how it was constructed. Yeah. Everlane is a good one too. Oh, I yeah. love looking to Everlane for inspiration. Their style is so like clean and modern and nice and totally. easy. Oh, yeah. Love it. Melissa Watson in episode 36 came on to share about fitting patterns, but she also stressed that you are the designer of your garments. And even if the pattern designer did the legwork, you can make the final decisions and have design control. So we really loved that. Yeah. Coming from a pattern designer herself, she was saying, you know, sure, I designed the pattern to look a certain way, but that that doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. Of course, everyone's going to have their personal preferences and it's not that hard to swap things out and change things around and make it you. Totally. So pattern hacking also kind of ties into some other subjects that we've discussed recently, like upping your sewing game and sustainability. Yeah, you can use pattern hacking as a way to get out of your comfort zone with sewing and kind of level up your sewing skills. So it forces you to think outside the box and apply your sewing skills without a step-by-step manual in front of you. This can be scary. But remember, it's only fabric. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part with pattern hacking is just imagining going kind of off script, right? You no longer have that perfect diagram and instruction in front of you. You're all of a sudden, you know, out there and you have to figure out how to make it happen. But I think you'll find that it's actually pretty fun. Yeah, and there's lots of great resources online. And some of the examples that we're giving here are pretty beginner friendly. So there's, you know, ways that you can start slow and then work your way up from there. Absolutely. Yeah. And we also talked about resisting the urge to buy in our recent sustainability episode. And you can apply this to patterns too, because shipping and printing all takes its toll on the environment and on your wallet. So you can save time and money and be a bit kinder to the earth by modifying your existing patterns to create your wardrobe. Yep. So we wanted to talk about some of the supplies that you need if you are ready to embark on your pattern hacking journey. So paper, obviously, is the first thing, because if you're going to be cutting into your pattern, tracing, you want to have some good paper on hand that you can use to do that. So you can use a lot of different types of paper. Computer paper is fine for smaller hacks. Um, Just keep in mind that you want to try to pick a paper that is a similar weight to the paper in your original pattern. So if you're just going to cut right into your tissue, you don't want to use computer paper to hack up your tissue pattern because the weight of the paper is going to sort of affect how things lie. Absolutely. Yeah. So computer paper is really good for PDF patterns that you printed at home. But if you're working with tissue paper, then you can use just dollar store tissue paper. I have a pack that I use for that kind of thing. Or you can use the off cuts from when you cut out your tissue paper if you want to save those and use those little pieces for lengthening and shortening patterns, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Craft paper or other large sheets work really well as well. So I like finding my rolls of paper at art supply stores. There's a local place here in Vancouver called Opus that sells rolls of just white paper. You can get craft paper at Staples, that sort of brown mid-weight paper. Medical paper we've heard works really well. I'm pretty sure you can find that on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Swedish tracing paper is a very popular choice among sewists. Yeah, you can actually sew Swedish tracing paper. Yeah, that's kind of nice too. Mm -hmm. It's almost got like a fabric-y texture to it. Mm -hmm. Old wrapping paper is a sustainable option. If you have some rolls of wrapping paper that you're not super crazy about anymore, you can use those for pattern hacking. There's also something called pattern ease tracing paper. It's similar to Swedish tracing paper that you can sew through it. It's almost like a non-woven like bonded fabric, paper-like fabric, and it comes on a roll and you can buy it by the meter or the yard at a lot of fabric shops. And it's really nice because you can iron it, you can fold it really easily, and uh, it's nice and pliable. So it's easy to work with. Oh, that's awesome. I'll Mm -hmm. have to check that out. So next, you're also going to need, obviously, some kind of marking tool, like a pencil and an eraser. Um, you can use mechanical pencils, but sometimes they tear things like tissue. So getting like a more blunt, just regular kind of school pencil that you might have had when you were a kid works really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, tape and a tape dispenser. We love tape dispensers because they keep your tape in place and you're not having to have tape kind of flopping around when you're trying to use one hand to hold your pattern down and another hand to rip a piece of tape off. So get yourself a tape dispenser if you're going to be doing a lot of pattern drafting or alterations. Mm-hmm. And also get yourself a clear grid ruler or get three or four of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a bunch in different sizes and I use them all the time. They're so handy. You can use them even as pattern weights. I put mine down when I'm cutting out 
out and they make great pattern weights. So they're really versatile and they're not that expensive. So invest in one of those honkin' quilting rulers. Yes. <laughs> and a French curve is also a really nice tool to have around because it has different curves on the ruler that you could use when you're doing a curve for the hip or for the bust or the side seam. It's really nice to get a smooth curve from your ruler and not have to draft that yourself. Yeah, it's hard to draw a perfect curve. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) We're going to start off by giving you guys some examples of simple hacks that you can do. These are very beginner friendly. Yes. So my favorite one is, of course, adding pockets. Pockets. Pockets for everybody. Pockets on everything. (laughs) Have you seen that little enamel pin that says it has pockets? Yeah, those pins are actually from Sarah of Like So Amazing. She has an online shop and she sells those adorable little pins. We'll link them in the show notes if you guys want to check them out. Awesome. (laughs) Okay, so how do you go about adding a pocket? So to add a pocket, I mean, there's different kinds of pockets that you can add. But if you're just going to go simple with a patch pocket, it's a question of either taking an existing pocket pattern piece from another pattern that you like or drafting your own and top stitching it onto your pattern wherever you want to put it. Mm -hmm. You can put uh, pockets on dress shirts. You can put like a breast pocket on a shirt. Um, Even just like a little woven tee or tank looks really cute with a little pocket like in a contrasting color on the front. You can put patch pockets on the front of a dress Mm -hmm. or on the front of a coat. Mm -hmm. There's a few coat patterns out there that don't have pockets and you can just stick pockets on them. No problem. Um, The other way that you can add a pocket to something is to put an inseam pocket into basically any pattern that has a side seam. It's pretty easy to add an inseam pocket. So again, you can use the inseam pocket and instructions from another pattern to add it to the pattern that you have that doesn't have the inseam pocket. Um, I think Jenny from Cashmere actually just wrote an article on the Curvy Sewing Collective about how to add inseam pockets to any pattern. So we'll link that in the show notes to get you guys a little bit more info. Awesome. One tip I have about inseam pockets is that if you find an inseam pocket pattern piece that you like that fits your hand really well and that is comfortable, keep it, maybe stick it on your bulletin board in your sewing room or in your sewing space and use that always and use it to add inseam pockets to whatever garment you want. Because it's really hard sometimes to find an inseam pocket that really like fits your hand nicely. So when you find it, hold on to it. That's true. They can be a little bit too small or a little bit too big. And yeah, you just have to find one that's just right. Exactly. (laughs) All right. The other thing that you can do is move pockets or change pockets. Mm -hmm. So an inseam pocket can become a slash pocket. Yeah, there are inseam pockets in the Winslow Coulottes pattern. And I just did a blog post about how to make slash pockets out of them. So we'll link that in the show notes. It's a pretty easy transition to make. You just have to cut a bit of an angle into the front pattern piece, and then you can create your slash pocket. Mm-hmm. Patch pockets can become welt pockets. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely be able to find a tutorial online for welt pockets. There are so many out there. So we'll find a good one and link that in the show notes. So you can do that. Yeah. So a welt pocket would move the pattern bag to the inside of the garment. So it's a little bit of a sleeker look versus the patch pocket is the pocket being on the outside of the garment. You can add a pocket flap to your inseam pocket, your welt pocket, or your patch pocket. Pocket flaps are really fun ways to add a little extra detail. Mm-hmm. You could put a little button or snap on there too. Mm-hmm. You can change the pocket shape. This one is really cute. You can make it bigger or smaller, or you can have fun with it and do like a heart-shaped patch pocket, or I don't know, curve the edges of your patch pocket, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Do a little pointed bottom instead of a flat bottom. Totally. That looks cute on shirts. And you mentioned heart-shaped pockets, and we talked about putting like a contrasting pocket on a woven tank or something. You can really have fun with fabrics with pockets. You can mix and match. You can make them stand out. You can have little hidden details in the inseam pocket so that just the pocket bags are a different color. It's so much fun to play with fabrics with pockets. One example I can think of is the Tilly and the Buttons Coco dress. It has these little patch pockets on the front, and I've seen people do them in like a stripe on a solid background or the heart shape. You can really have fun with just putting a different fabric right on the front of your dress. Especially with stripes, you can change the direction of the stripes with your pockets to add a little bit of extra detail. Okay, another simple hack that you can do is moving darts. So generally darts just go from your bust point to the side seam, right? But there are other kinds of darts. So you can sort of play around with dart placement. A typical side dart can become a French dart, which means that the dart is starting lower and coming 
up to the bust point, or you can do an arm side dart, which starts in the arm side and goes down to the bust point. Yeah. And I loved your analogy when we were talking about how to explain moving a dart. You were like, it's like moving a piece of pizza. Around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you basically want to decide where you want your new dart to go. So let's say you want it to go from the bottom of your side seam up towards your bust point. So you want to draw your line from that you know, spot on your side seam up to your bust point, and you're slashing that with your scissors, you slash that line, and then you slash down the center of your existing dart. And then you just close it up. Mm -hmm. You just pivot the pattern piece, and you tape it close. And there you've moved the fullness from the dart to a different location. Exactly. And you want to redraft your little dart hat. So again, there are lots of tutorials for how to do this online, and we will plug something good in the show notes for you guys. Absolutely. And the other thing you can do on a similar vein is to convert darts. So darts can become things like gathers or tucks. Instead of being a traditional dart, you can, again, transfer that fullness to some gathering or a few little pin tucks or something. Yeah, that's a really fun one. If you're doing some kind of a bodice that would normally have darts, if you switch them to gathers, it gives more of like a soft flowy look. Exactly. Yeah, that can also be dictated by the fabric too that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a really structured fabric doesn't gather very well. So you want to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Adding patches is another fun little hack that you can do super easily, similar to a patch pocket. You can just add a patch. So an elbow patch on a sweatshirt or a knee patch on a pair of leggings. That's a really cute detail that you can add that's super easy and really fun. Yeah. And you can have fun with fabrics with this one too. And one thing I will say, if you're a little bit nervous about sewing such an intense curve, if you're adding like an elbow patch, you're working with kind of a small piece of fabric that might have... Uh, a pretty curved edge to it. So it might be tricky to hem. But if you just sew a line of basting stitches right around very, really close to the edge, and then you can gather up those stitches, that way it will kind of help the fabric turn to the inside before you press it. And you'll have a lot more luck getting that curve nice and flat. Totally. Another thing that I've seen is two layers. So if you make the patch out of two layers of fabric, so you're basically creating its own piece that's finished along the edges. And then you're just putting that on and stitching around the edge. Also leather or suede, it doesn't need to be finished. You can mm -hmm. just leave it raw. So that's a fun way to add patches without having to worry about the, you know, fiddliness of the curve. Yeah, that's a really good tip. <laughs> All right. What's next? So you can lengthen a top to become a tunic or a dress. Yeah, I love this one. I know it's such a fun hack. I've done this a lot with different tops and it works out really well. One thing you want to make sure of is that there's enough fullness in the pattern to get it over your hips comfortably. So if you take a basic kind of tank top pattern and you were to lengthen it just straight down, you might find that it's a little tight over the hips or that doesn't fit over your hips at all. So you want to measure the pattern and measure your body and make sure you're ending up with a garment that's actually going to fit over your hips. Totally. And it could be something as simple as just making the garment more A-line or giving it a little bit of a curve at the hips to kind of come out at the hips if it's just a simple front and back piece. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of things that you can do to give yourself a little bit of extra room around the hips if you need it. Yeah. And if you want to lengthen a skirt to become like a maxi skirt or a dress to become a maxi dress, consider adding some side slits or maybe a front or a back slit so you can walk comfortably. So that's something that you sometimes don't think about when you're lengthening patterns and it can cause you to end up with a garment that's not very wearable. Alternatively, you can shorten a tunic or a dress into a blouse or a crop top. Yeah, I love this idea. Like you can even just take off the skirt of an existing dress pattern. One thing that came to mind was the Southport dress. I've seen lots of people make Southport tanks where they just use the bodice of that and either leave it as a crop bodice or lengthen it so that it just becomes this cute little button up tank. Yeah, that's a great example. So changing the neckline is our next idea. You can adjust the height of a scoop or a V neckline. So if you don't want it to be quite so low cut, you can, you know, add a little bit of modesty and make your neckline a little bit higher. Um, this works really well for knit tees and also for wovens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can also change scoops into Vs. You can change boats into scoops. I mean, I think everyone kind of has a neckline depth and a shape that they really gravitate towards. If you take a look at the t-shirts that you have and which ones you wear the most often, you'll probably find that they have similar necklines. So you can keep that in mind when you're, when you're looking at patterns and trying to decide what you want to make. 
just think about the neckline that you really enjoy wearing. Yeah, definitely. One thing to keep in mind for all you beginners out there is when you're adjusting something like a neckline, you want to think about, okay, what is attaching to this piece that I'm adjusting? So for example, if it's a knit tee, you're going to have a probably a knit band that's going to be attaching to finish off the neckline. So if you're making your neckline larger, you want to lengthen that band as well so that it's going to fit properly. Same thing if you're making it smaller, you're going to want to shorten that band. Um, And if you're working with, let's say, a woven top, you might have to draft a new facing or adjust your binding length. So just keep that in mind uh, when you're making those kinds of adjustments. And you can also leave off the collar for more of a mandarin collar look with those collared shirt dresses or collared shirts. Um, You can play around with different collar things. Yeah. So a mandarin collar is basically just a collar stand without the actual collar coming out of it. Mm -hmm. So it's a super, super simple modification because you're literally just leaving off the collar piece and keeping just the stand and it gives it a really sleek look. Yeah. I love a mandarin collar. Me too. You can also leave off the collar and the collar stand. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's not even a collared shirt anymore. (laughs) Katie from What Katie Sews is really great at doing hacks. And she made an alder shirt dress with a V-neckline. So she just omitted the collar altogether and made the neckline sort of V-shaped. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes with a picture because that was a beautiful hack. I know. It was so smart. And it makes me think about like all the times that I've thought about making a shirt dress or wanted to make a dress, but just didn't want to bother with the finicky bits and just eliminate them. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) A Peter Pan collar is a really fun one that you can draft yourself if you want. So just adding a Peter Pan collar or changing to a Peter Pan collar, which would just be smoothing out the point so that it's curved. Yeah, Peter Pan collars are so cute. Yeah. All right. The next hack is my favorite hack. I've done this a whole bunch of times and it is adding a gathered rectangle to the bottom of a top or a dress. If you cut a dress off at the waist and just add a gathered rectangle to it, all of a sudden you have a totally different look. So how exactly do you gather a piece of fabric, Helen? So you want to cut a rectangle that's quite a bit longer. I usually just kind of eyeball it and I cut one that's really, really long. And then if there's too much fullness, I can remove the fullness later. But all you do is cut the big rectangle and then you want to sew two or maybe three lines of gathering stitches along the top edge. So you sew one maybe at the quarter inch mark, one at the five eighths mark, um, and then maybe one at the half inch mark or one even, you know, at the inch mark, depending on what your seam allowance is. And then you just leave long thread tails so that you can gather up those gathering stitches and your fabric will start to gather and you can push those gathers along. And the reason why you want to do two or three lines of stitching is so that you have a nice base so that when you go to sew it, you're going to have a lot of fabric and it's going to seem like it's kind of everywhere and crazy. But if you do more lines of gathering stitches, it's going to be easier to put through your machine. So don't just do one, make sure you do two or better yet three. Yeah, you'll thank yourself later if you do that. (laughs) Yeah, you will. And use lots of pins too. Pins helps to distribute the fullness when you're sewing. But it's such a cute hack. I've done this on the bottom of an Ogden cami. I've done this on the bottom of a Salt Spring dress. It's very versatile and easy. You can also gather a sleeve. So we've been seeing this look on some of the new patterns that are coming out this season. I think it's very on trend, but just cutting off a sleeve and adding a gathered rectangle to that or some kind of a flounce um, would be a really nice look and a really easy hack. I love that statement sleeves haven't gone out of style. Same. <laughs> a flounce is a great way to add a fun detail to your garment. So the bottom of a pencil skirt or a sleeve or a neckline. That's a really fun hack you can do. Yeah, you can even put one like in the middle of a spaghetti strap. Just have a little detail, a flouncy detail. Yeah. So a flounce is kind of like if you're picturing a circle skirt in your head, it's a similar pattern piece to that. So it's got a curve. It's sort of like a rectangle, but on a curve. And you would want to measure the top edge to match the seam that you're sewing it onto. Exactly. So you get that beautiful wavy effect. Yeah. All right. The next one is another favorite of mine. It's a raw hem. So you can sew a line of stitches, maybe one or two centimeters up from your hem. And then you don't have to hem your garment. You can just fray the edge by pulling out the weft threads um, or just throwing it in the wash. Some fabrics fray really well in the wash. It's got like that natural frayed look to it and you're not handling the threads too much at the bottom. So I usually like to throw it in the wash and see what happens. And that line of stitching that you've sewn in there will help prevent 
the fraying from going on and on and on forever. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite of your makes that you've done recently is one of your new patterns. We won't say what it is, but it was a sample that you were showing me. And the bottom edge was frayed. It was sort of a raw edge. And I was like, that is so cool. And you were like, yeah, I just used the edge that came out of the wash, like when I pre-washed my fabric. So if that edge looks good, you might be able to just utilize that. And you don't have to really do anything beyond that. Just use that as your bottom edge of your garment. Yeah, it's true. And I will say, since you mentioned that, that it works best on a straight hem. Like if you have a curved hem on a garment, fraying it is going to be a problem because if you think about the warp and the weft threads being completely perpendicular to each other, it's going to be a bit of a challenge to fray something that's cut on a curve. So you want to use this exclusively for things that are cut on a straight edge. And if the hem of your garment is not cut on a straight edge, because this pattern actually wasn't, what you can do is add like a little bit of a side slit. So you're letting yourself have a straight edge and it doesn't need to match up perfectly at the sides because you have a side split and maybe the front's a little bit shorter than the back. And that way you can get that straight edge. Great tip. So speaking of side slits, Mm -hmm. (laughs) side slits are really fun to play with in both knits and wovens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've added a side slit to a Mandy Boti before. Yes, definitely. I love adding a side slit to a Mandy Boti. I lengthen it and then I add the side slits and it kind of gives it a looser sort of casual look. You know, I love my Mandy Boti's. So it just gives me a little bit more mileage out of that pattern. Yeah, I think it's really fun to take a t-shirt pattern and add a side slit because it just steps it up a notch, gives it a little bit of a different look. Yeah, I wanted to make um, a lark tee, like a basic kind of crew neck lark tee, extra long with super long side slits, like up to the waist. I've seen that in ready to wear before. Oh yeah, and you can wear it over jeans. Yeah, Yeah, just have like a little peak of skin at the top on the side seam. Mm -hmm. Hella cute. I've also played with side slits in my Blackwood cardigan hacks. I have one on the blog where you basically take off the bottom band of the Blackwood or you can take off the bottom band of any sweater, really lengthen it, add some side slits. Voila, different look. Voila. Voila. The nice thing about side slits is that you don't generally even have to do anything to your pattern pieces. It's just a question of like omitting if there's a band at the bottom and just sewing it in such a way that there's a slit on the side instead of sewing all the way down to the bottom. Mm -hmm. You can add a facing to get a side slit, but with things like knits, all you need to do is just press your seam allowance open. Maybe you want to finish your knit separate or... Maybe you want to finish your pieces separately before you sew the side seam so that you have a finished edge for when you press it open and then just kind of top stitch around the side slit. Mm -hmm. Super easy peasy. Easy peasy. (laughs) All right. One of my favorite things to do is adjust the leg fit in a pair of pants. So I do this all the time. If I have a pants pattern that I like and I want to make it more wide leg or less wide leg or shorten it a little bit, lengthen it to get a different look. There's so much that you can do. You can do bell bottoms. You can do cropped. I mean, I just think this is such a good, fun, easy, easy hack. It's true. Yeah. If you're liking the culottes trend that's still happening now, you can just take a pair of pants or a pants pattern that you have and just chop it off. Totally. Maybe throw a raw hem in there. Yeah, Go I mean, crazy. I'm wearing a pair of Morgans with a raw hem. <laughs> you were so stylish. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh. Another idea that we have is adding a cuff to a knit tee or sweater. Yeah, both you and I did this for our Nico tops because we really liked the way that the cuffs feel on the hands and they're just a little bit easier to sew than kind of turning it under and doing a twin needle or something like that, especially if your machine doesn't play nice with knit hems. Throw a cuff on there. Yeah, totally. Especially for the sleeve. I really love that look. It kind of adds a little bit of coziness. It's Mm -hmm. a good hack. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) All right. Our last super simple hack idea is to make a woven pattern in a knit fabric. Now, you do have to be a little bit cautious with this one because changing the fabric recommendations is going to affect the fit of the pattern. So be prepared for maybe some awkwardness. Um, maybe it's going to be feel a little bit too large if you make it in a knit fabric. You want to choose a pattern that doesn't have too many style lines um, or eliminate some of the style lines. So, for example, I made a knit Southport dress to mention the Southport dress again. <laughs> it's Southport dress season. It's it really is. <laughs> Such a good pattern, too. It is. 
Um, so I made a knit version. We'll link it in the show notes. And I just eliminated the little placket in the front. I switched the uh, bias finish on the edges to just a knit band finish. I did sew the darts because it does help with the fit. And then I just did an elastic in the waist instead of a casing and a tie. Awesome. Yeah. I have a confession to make. Uh, my favorite, favorite, favorite pattern right now, the Nini Kulots, is actually meant for knit fabrics. What? Really? But I make it in wovens. I didn't even know that. I assumed it was woven because you've made so many wovens. I know. And I mean, I definitely went with woven because I saw a lot of versions out there that were already out of wovens. Mm-hmm. And I could tell from the product photos and the photos in the hashtag that it's a really loose fit. So interchanging knit and woven there was not a big deal. But I will say probably ill-advised to use a woven fabric for a knit pattern, generally speaking, unless it is a nice relaxed fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because knit patterns typically have negative ease. So they're designed to stretch over your body. But you're right in this case, because it was so oversized, it probably wouldn't have made a difference. You can always experiment with uh, doing it that way around if you size up one or two sizes um, to get that extra ease that you're going to need to fit it on your body. But I like the making woven patterns with knit fabric. Yeah, I think that's a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. There's <laughs> actually a few named patterns that people do that with all the time. Like the Inari dress. I've also seen people use knits and wovens. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was designed that way. The Inari might have been designed that way. I'm thinking of the, the kilo. Um, the kilo. Yeah, the I know. Ki- yeah, it's true. Um, I'm also thinking about the Hudson pants. Kelly from True Bias did a tutorial on how to do woven Hudson pants. And it was basically just size up and omit the cuffs. Yeah. Um, so something like that is pretty easy to do if you, you have the opportunity to size up. One thing to keep in mind is like, for example, for that hack, I am at the top of the size range. So I didn't I couldn't size up you know so sometimes it's not possible but when it is it's a fun hack to do yeah and you can always take the pattern piece and compare it to a woven pattern that you have that you know fits especially with pants you can be like this pattern fits my legs so if I size up and it's the same width then this one will also fit my legs without having to actually make a muslin beforehand totally So we also have a bunch of more advanced tips for you guys, some ideas for different ways that you can hack your patterns. And beginners, don't be shy. This section's not not for you. (laughs) It's very much for everybody. But um, we thought we'd talk about some things that are just a little bit more complex. Yeah, one of our biggest tips for doing more advanced hacking is to always make a muslin with any of your major pattern alterations before you cut into your precious real fabric. Because you're making these big adjustments, things can get weird, it can get a little wonky, that's okay, this is all a learning process, but doing some test versions before is always a good way to go. Yeah, and then when you finalized your hack, you can actually save that in its own envelope and you've basically created a new version of that pattern. Totally. All right. So our first example in this category is adding fullness using the slash and spread method. I love slashing and spreading my patterns. I just love it. (laughs) A simple boxy top can become more A-line. A straight skirt can be made fuller. Yeah, slashing and spreading is fun because you get to actually cut into your pattern and start moving things around. And it's kind of similar to what we were describing with the darts earlier, except you're kind of creating little pizzas. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I'm going to keep going with this pizza analogy. (laughs) And slash and spread doesn't have to be pizza shaped. (laughs) I mean, we're going to go there. I'm going there. It can also be lasagna shaped. (laughs) Oh my gosh. <laughs> Am I just confusing people here? No, I think it's good. Like a rectangle. Yeah, exactly. Like a rectangle. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to s- slash and just open on one side. You can slash and open evenly so that you're just adding a rectangle of fabric. And that's how you would add fullness um, and make something, let's say, boxier. Yeah. I mean, you just did that with a recent project. Yes. And I'm wearing it all the time. So big surprise. It's a Mandy boat tee. <laughs> Oh my gosh. By the way, (laughs) side note, some people have been commenting on Instagram like, I'm trying the Mandy Boti pattern because Caroline won't stop talking about it on the podcast. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm like kind of hammering it into people's heads. Bring back the Mandy (laughs) Boti. But anyways, so the Mandy Boti is a one size fits all pattern, which I mean, you know, 
it is what it is. It's a free pattern. That's the way that it is. And that's fine. And it does fit me fine considering I'm like a size, you know, 16, 18 right now. But I wanted something that was like a little bit looser, a little bit more of a relaxed fit. So I basically slashed and spread the pattern pieces and added like, I think I added two inches to the front and back piece. So that added eight inches all the way around. Um, and it is such a fun fit. I love my new Mandy boat tee. I wear it all the time. Super comfy. And yeah, it's a really, really easy hack. I love it too. It looks so cute on you. And if anyone's wondering, you slashed down from like the mid shoulder point to exactly. the Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't have to do anything but that. There was no other pattern alterations. It was literally just drawing a line from the, sh- you know, midway through the shoulder, straight down, parallel to the grain line, spreading it two inches, smoothing out that shoulder line, you know, smoothing out that line at the hem. And then I cut everything and assembled everything as usual. So it really just added some width there where there wasn't width because it was a one size pattern. So if they had graded the pattern, it probably would have been, you know, a little bit larger for my size. So I basically just did that. And it really did change the fit and the look of the pattern. And I love it. I want to make a long version too. Now, like I'm not done with Mandy. I'm not, I'm never going to be done. This is going to be a lifelong love affair. (laughs) I look forward to it. I'm getting emotional. (laughs) Okay. So when you're slashing and spreading, you want to keep in mind that you don't want to disturb any of the sort of more crucial parts of the design. So you don't want to mess up the arm side curve or the neck curve too much. You want to slash and spread in areas where you're not going to be messing around too much with those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you're slashing and spreading, if you're doing a lot of spreading, often it's good to do a few slash lines where you're spreading in different places on the pattern piece. I did a tutorial on the Soaholic blog a couple years ago called How to Draft a Swing Tee. And I used the Renfrew top pattern. And It's a really good example of that pizza shape. So we'll link it in the show notes. But taking like a basic straight up and down t-shirt pattern and turning it into a swing tee, which would be just like an extra, you know, swingy A-line t-shirt is pretty easy to do. And it's a really good, even beginner friendly hack, I would say. Yeah, you can use this method to do what we were talking about earlier with lengthening tops to become dresses. If you need that extra room to get it over your hips, you can use the slash and spread method to make it a bit more A-line and then you can lengthen it. Totally. All right. So making a sleeved dress or top sleeveless is another kind of more advanced hack that we wanted to talk about. So you can't simply remove the sleeves because chances are the armhole will be too big and it's going to gape because there is extra ease and extra room given for the movement when you have a sleeve on your arm, right? So if you're just removing those sleeves, you need to think about that when you're finishing off those sleeves, make a few adjustments. Mm -hmm. So what would you do, Helen? I would... First of all, want to bring the top of the shoulder in. So chances are, if you have something with sleeves, the end of the shoulder is going to be at your actual shoulder point where your arm starts. And you might want it to come in just a little bit to give you a little bit more of a sleeveless look. So I'd bring that in. And you might also want to bring it up slightly. It might be a little bit more angled. For a sleeveless top, you might want a bit less of an angle. And then you also want to raise the bottom of the armhole. So these are all maybe sounding a little bit much, but you can do what we suggested earlier and compare it to a sleeveless top pattern that you have to get an idea about the changes that you need to make. And we also have a great tutorial that we'll link to from Jen at Grainline Studio. She did one of these for the Archer. Yeah. So that example is with a button up shirt. So it's a little bit more involved, but it's going to be a good way for you to sort of visualize those alterations and why they need to happen and where they need to happen. So we'll link that in the show notes. for Exactly. Sure. And that's also a good uh, point because if you're working with a pattern that has any kind of yoke, you want to make sure that you're adjusting the yoke and the front and back pieces. Totally. All right. So we're talking sleeves or no sleeves. Mm-hmm. What about the cold shoulder look? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. So Kelly from True Bias did an awesome hack of her Roscoe dress where she basically made it completely shoulderless mm-hmm. is off that a the word? shoulder off the shoulder <laughs> so adding an elastic casing to the top of the dress and so that you can wear it down from the shoulder and 
Super cute. Yeah, there's so much that you can do here if you're working with kind of a loose peasant blouse. You're sort of just cutting off the top edge, adding a bit of extra seam allowance to fold over an elastic and make a little gathered top so that you have that cold shoulder look. So we'll link to that tutorial as well because it's a good one. Mm -hmm. And you could think about adding cutouts and stuff too. There's lots of different cold shoulder kind of trends happening right now. So you can just take your shirt and add a cutout and maybe put a facing or a bias binding on that cutout to finish it. And Bob's your uncle. So next up, you could try adding a slit or hole in a pattern, like a little keyhole detail in a dress. If you have a center front seam, you can try adding a keyhole there. Or you can add thumb holes in your cuffs of your knit garments. I did this on one of my Blackwoods. And I mean, who doesn't love a good thumb hole? It's kind of like kind of like when you discover a dress has pockets, when you discover a sweater has thumb holes, you're like, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do love a good thumb hole. So convenient. So convenient. <laughs> The thumbs didn't know what they were missing. <laughs> so you can do this either way, but um, you can swap out a f- bias facing or a binding with an actual fabric facing or vice versa. So if you're working with a sheer fabric, for example, something that has a little bit of sheerness to it, and your pattern is drafted with a facing, you might want to switch that out for a binding to kind of go better with your fabric so that it doesn't show through. Yeah, that's true. And maybe you prefer a facing on the flip side to a binding because you prefer sewing a facing and you don't really like sewing binding. I mean, that's easy enough to change. You just have to draft up a simple facing and you're on your way. Totally. All right. Our next idea, which I love, is to add buttons down the front or the back. Yes, I love this one too. Taking a simple tank and just adding a button front to it. It can be a real button front or it can be like a mock button front just to get that look. I think that's really, really fun and also pretty easy to do. Yeah, we were talking earlier about how it's hard for beginners sometimes, but you guys don't have to overthink this. Like if you want to add a button front, you just need to add a couple inches to each side and then you have some room to flip it over and overlap it and you got a button front. I do really love this hack though. It's making me think about all the things that I could add button fronts to. Right? You know? I, I, I like a button back. Maybe you like the, a button back? Hey? Yeah, like just a row of buttons up the back of a tank. And it's even better if it's not structural. Like you don't actually need to unbutton them to get the tank on. Mm-hmm. You can just slip it on over your head, but it has like buttons down the back. Yeah, that's a nice detail. Like if you're working with kind of an A-line tank and then you want to like leave it unbuttoned a little bit so that it just shows like a peak of skin in the back. Oh, that's pretty racy, Caroline. That's pretty racy. (laughs) (laughs) You're just bugging me now. All right. The next hack is another favorite of yours. Oh, yes, it is. Swap out that button fly for a zipper fly. (laughs) (laughs) Swap it out. Swap it out. I personally much prefer zip flies. I don't know why. I think it's like a security thing, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. A button fly can pull quite a bit. Yeah, I like my belly to be contained. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Contain that belly. (laughs) (laughs) Contain my belly. (laughs) Um, I think if you're sitting down a lot in pants, sometimes button flies, they look really cute. But then after you've been sitting for a few hours, you have like lots of drag lines from sitting, whereas a, a zipper fly does tend to hold that fabric in place a bit better. Totally. So it's really easy to just swap out that button fly for a zip fly, especially if you made a few pairs of pants. If you want to use the pattern pieces from a zip fly and use them on that button fly uh, pattern that you're working with, just swap those out check out some tutorials online if Mm -hmm. you want to draft it yourself, but really easy to do. Yeah. Closet case patterns have lots of great online tutorials for everything jeans related. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure you can go on there and find a button fly one and a zip fly one and mix and match Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to your heart's content. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Our last tip here is to add seams to your pattern so you can do some color blocking or mix fabrics. Yes. So you've done some really great versions of this on your blog. Yeah, I had some fun with a sort of Christmas dress that I made a couple of years ago that has a velvet bottom and then it has a chiffon top. So I basically cut the pattern just above the bust line so that I could have a little bit of a see-through detail at the top. And I used the Kennedy pattern from Seamwork. So it's got really simple pattern pieces 
And we'll link it in the show notes because I did a little diagram of how you go about slashing and adding the seam allowance. Um, Adding the seam allowance is the key part here, people. (laughs) Totally. And you can do so much with this. I'm thinking about a version of the Zinnia skirt that Sari shared on her on her Instagram page recently, uh, where she added a eyelet band to the bottom. So she had a sheer band at the bottom with a beautiful eyelet edge. So she didn't have to hem her skirt, but the top was just the Zinnia skirt. So that's a really easy way to kind of just add a little bit of a peak of skin, like what you did with your chiffon. Oh yeah, it's true. And you can also play with stripes. You just got me thinking about making like a gathered skirt where you cut a little bit off at the bottom and then you change the direction of the stripes. So it's more, maybe going horizontal on the top and then vertical on the bottom. Totally. Super cute. Yeah. Playing with stripes is really fun. It adds an awesome detail to garments. Visual interest. Striking. Bold. Fashion. (laughs) 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 All right. What about mixing patterns? Is this like a big no-no? No, it's a big yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's a big yes, yes. No, no, yes, yes. Uh, You can absolutely mix patterns. I love doing this. I call it pattern mashup, and it's the best. Yeah, it can be tricky. So again, we're going to recommend that you make a muslin here, you guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, you gals. Yeah. You people. You comrades. (laughs) Compatriots. Compatriots. Yeah, so you can mix and match bodices and skirts for fitted dresses. You want to consider lining up any bust and skirt darts or pleats in that case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this can really make it look seamless and professional. Oftentimes, if you're making a fitted bodice and then you have some kind of a fitted skirt, there'll be darts on either side. And if they meet, it just gives it that extra level of polish. Yeah. And obviously, if you're matching up a bodice from one pattern and a skirt from another pattern, you want to make sure that the waist measurement is the same so that those pattern pieces will actually fit together, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you can measure your pattern pieces to do this, or you can kind of construct it and then shave off a little bit of whichever one is not matching up. That's usually what I do. (laughs) But I'm a rebel sewist. So yeah, and that's fine, though. Again, we're trying to make this approachable. So If you're a beginner and you're thinking like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make this work? I can't picture it. Just, you know, fudge it a little bit. Figure it out as you go along. You can trim off the sides. Nobody's going to be sending over your shoulder and telling you that you're doing it wrong because there is no wrong in our book. No. And that's why like a 5-8 seam allowance is the best thing ever because you have so much wiggle room. You can take that all the way down to a quarter inch and you've bought yourself a whole extra, you know, inch or two all the way around. Totally. All right. So a book that we have to recommend for this exact thing is by Christiane Booz from Victory Patterns. She has a book called Boundless Style, and it's all about mixing and matching bodices and skirts to make different dress styles. Yeah, it's a really, really beautiful book really fun. And I love this whole idea of having just a few different styles and pieces that you're mixing and matching to make a gazillion different looks. Mm -hmm. And once you find a fitted bodice for a dress that fits you well, you can start playing with the sleeves and playing with the collars and putting ruffles and changing the neckline and it's endless. It's all coming full circle. Oh my God. All right. Um, mixing pants and trousers with bodices is also really fun. You can make a jumpsuit. Uh, you've done this with the Winslows. Oh, I yeah. love that hack that you did. You have to link it. I will. I will. It's super fun. You can just a very similar process to doing it with a dress, except you're adding pants to a bodice. So again, you might want to line up any darts that are involved, or you have a bit of a waistband piece, which separates the two darts. um, And then you can kind of get away with them not lining up so much. One great example of the whole jumpsuit hack, Kelly, our girl from True Bias, did an awesome hack with um, the Southport top. And I believe it was woven Hudson pants on the bottom. And it made a really cute jumpsuit. Kelly's getting so much love today. She is. (laughs) All right. You can use your favorite collars and plackets on other shirt patterns. So that's a good way to mash up two patterns. Yeah, exactly. I've taken different, uh, I've taken two different button up shirts and mashed them together, mixed up the collars, mixed up the plackets, mixed up the hems, all sorts of fun stuff. And just use the elements of the pattern that you really like and transfer them onto your new project. Totally. Okay, on a similar vein, you can add the hem from a dress or a top to a pattern that you're working on. So for example, if you're working on a shirt dress that has more of a straight hem, but you love that 
uber scoopy side of the Cali shirt dress from Closet Case Patterns, you can just stick that on there, mash them up. Mm -hmm. So another example we have is mixing sleeves and bodices, but that is a little bit more tricky. So you want to be careful here. You always want to use the sleeve and the corresponding bodice arm size. So that is like the arm hole, basically, so that the sleeve is going to fit perfectly. Sleeves are a little bit tricky. So just try to keep that arm hole the same as the sleeve. Yeah. So you can take the bodice pieces from one pattern and kind of put them on top of the pattern that you want to actually make the bodice out of and trace a new armhole so that you can use the sleeve from a different pattern. This is all sounding crazy, but I think you guys get what we're saying. Armholes and sleeves must never part. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, armholes and sleeves must never part. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, experiment here. It can be a really fun way to mash up patterns, but just be a little bit more cautious. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay, too. It's all part of the sewing process. You're learning, you're having fun, you're doing your hobby. Even if you're not sewing, you know, the final few stitches on a garment, it doesn't mean that you're not sewing. You know, we love this hobby in its entirety. And that includes doing fun stuff like this, working with paper and pencils and doing math sometimes even. Totally. (laughs) I'm just going to embrace the totally today. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Ooh, I wanted to give a fun example of mixing patterns here. So our listeners might remember our OG love to sew photo shoot. (laughs) I am wearing a tie-dye dress. It's like a navy blue tie-dye kind of dress with kimono sleeves. It's very relaxed. I love that dress so much. I wear it all the time. That dress is a total pattern mashup. And I completely flew by the seat of my pants for that one because I had a look in my head and I sort of had the pattern pieces that I needed. So I just made it work. So the top half is the pattern runway easy kimono dress, I believe it's called. We'll link it in the show notes. So that pattern is actually meant for wovens. I didn't care. I just used it for knits. It's all good. So I basically used the front and back piece of the bodice for that. And then the skirt, because I knew the skirt looked a little bit too tight around the hips for me, like fit wise. So I just had the Southport dress like that I had sewn recently on my table already. So I was like, I can use this. It's got a gathered waist, also meant for wovens. I was using knits, didn't matter. So I mashed those two up and I just made it work. And it is one of my favorite dresses. So like we mentioned before, we're kind of coming full circle using woven patterns for knit fabrics is a pretty easy hack to do. And that dress does have like a looser fit. And I'm fine with that. I like that. So I just ended up like hemming by like turning under and top stitching with a zigzag, I believe. And it was super fun, super fast, super easy, really good mashup. What should I call that mashup? The South Runway. Oh, (laughs) Helen, the South Runway. Welcome to the South Runway. (laughs) All right. Do you have a favorite hat? I do. I made an Inari tee from Named Clothing out of a knit fabric. And I had made the Inari tee before and I never found that the arm side really fit well on my shoulder and my my body. So I decided to mash that up with the Lark tee from Grainline Studio because I had made a few of those and I liked the way the sleeve fit. So I basically just right about at the bust point switched from an Inari to a lark. And then I added also a little bit of a knit band um, at at the end of the sleeve just to give it that full Inari look. Yeah. What did you call that one? I was calling it a Larnari, but then Rochelle New on Instagram called it an Enark. And I thought that was much better. (laughs) It's my Enark. (laughs) Enark. (laughs) Love it. All right. So to end this off, we want to encourage you guys to just do a little bit of exploring. Follow some pattern designers' blogs and newsletters for hack ideas. Seamwork Magazine does a really great series. Every month, they do block, paper, scissors. So they take one of the patterns that they release that month and show you how to hack it and make it fresh and new and different. And I love that series. So it's a great thing to follow if you want to learn some hacking kind of possibilities and techniques. 
yeah, you don't have to apply it to those patterns necessarily. You just get ideas and you start thinking about ways that you can apply it to the patterns that you have on hand. And it's just so much fun to learn from reading other blogs what's possible. Yes. And you have some great hack series on your blog. Most recently, the Winslow hack series, you did a whole month of Winslow hacks and they were all amazing. We've mentioned them on the show before, but I have to plug them again for you because girl, you killed it with that and you worked really hard on it. Thank you. It was way more work than I thought it was going to (laughs) be, but I had so much fun doing it. It was great to explore all the possibilities and I hope I sort of planted some seeds of inspiration for some people out there. So. I love the indie community. I love it that so many designers out there are giving so much of their knowledge on their blogs and sharing these, you know, different pattern drafting methods and alterations to help their customers get more mileage out of their patterns. Yeah, that's totally the end goal. I love seeing people make a pattern multiple times and really falling in love with it. I have a few patterns that are just, you know, you're tried and trues, right? And it's great when a pattern can actually meet that standard and become one of those things that you know you'll just make for the rest of your life. Totally. All right. Our last little thing that we wanted to do is we want to make a hashtag with you all. Yeah. So Helen, you came up with this and I love it, love it, love it. All right. So the hashtag we're going to be using is hashtag you can hack it. We're naming it after the show title. I was floored when I went to Instagram and realized that this hashtag was not taken. There's a couple posts, but you know, nothing major. So our sewing community is going to take it over. I know you guys are going to take this on and help me out filling up this hashtag with awesome hack ideas for patterns. Yes. So go back and tag your past hacks with you can hack it in the future. Tag your future hacks with you can hack it. Let's hack it up. Hack it. Get our hack on. Yeah. Get your hack on. Get your hack on. (laughs) And some of you might not know this, but if you want to go back and post date some of your tags on past Instagram posts, you can just comment on your own post with the hashtag and that will put it in the hashtag search results. So you don't actually have to edit the post itself. You can just comment on your own post and you're done. I'm going to go follow that hashtag because you can follow hashtags now on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I am so excited to see all those pictures pop up. Hashtag you can hack it. Yep. You can hack it. Yes, you can. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's it for today's episode of Love to Sew. You can find me, Caroline, at blackbirdfabrics.com and Helen at helensclosset.ca. And we're recording today in sunny Vancouver, Canada, and you can get links for everything we talked about in this episode at lovetosewpodcast.com. If you are loving the show and want to help us out, you can support us on Patreon. If you contribute $5 or more a month, you'll get access to our bonus episode feed. Go to patreon.com slash lovetosew for more info. And send us your questions about sewing at lovetosewpodcast.com slash question, or better yet, leave us a voicemail at one 844 what That's one 844 Thank you to our producer, Sam Humphrey. Thank you, Sam. And thank you all so much for listening. We're going to talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Totally. Bye. The Ipswich? Ips. Hold on. Ipswich. Ipswich? No, there's no schwip. (laughs) It's just Ipswich. Ipswich. Okay. (laughs) Ipswich. So we'll... (laughs)